Welcome in. Brand new Friday scramble, July 15th, 2022. Round two of the Open Championship happening right now. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there. Andy Lack. Andy. Look at this board. Look at this course. Look at this tiger. Look at this everything. Um, I couldn't be more uh, pleased with how this has played out the first two days. It's, it's, you know, it's not often that a tournament gets so hyped the week of which this tournament had, um, and it delivers, right? Sports doesn't always work out that way. And so far, um, this championship has delivered on all levels for me personally. So I'm excited to talk things, talk things through with you today. Let me just, uh, read through some of the names on the leaderboard. Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Cam Young, Scotty Scheffler, Terrell Hatton, Taylor Gooch, Adam Scott, Patrick Cantlay. Go down a little bit further, you find Matt Fitzpatrick, Rory McIlroy. I mean, it's like, uh, it's amazing. It's every, it's everything. Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, I think probably the only, the only bummer that uh, we have is that we're not going to see Tiger over the weekend. But in terms of the storylines that we hoped for heading into the week, we talked about how interesting it would be if some of the live guys played well. Well, we've got that. In fact, the biggest live fish is right there. Um, Spieth and Rom are lurking, right? Mm -hmm. There's some guys at four and five under par that aren't out of it. Cameron Smith is a big name. He's a, you know, he's a top eight player in the world and he's right there. Rory is there. Cantlay is there. Some of the spicy euros that we like, like Hatton and a guy like Adam Scott looking to, you know, avenge some previous open championship struggles is there an up and coming potential star and Cameron Young is there as well. I mean, this has everything that you would hope for heading into the weekend at St. Andrews. And they are going to battle it out on the old course, which is playing, um, playing a hair easier here on Friday. They got some rain kind of overnight and into the morning hours, but overall, how has your expectations of how the old course is playing? How's that panning out so far? I think it's panning out how I expected. I mean, I was never in the camp that this was going to be a birdie fest, um, I did say, listen, at a championship like this, at a course like St. Andrews, take par out of the equation, right? Like prepare yourself for the fact that this is not going to be a U.S. Open. It's not even going to be a recent PGA championship where the winner is probably four, five, six, seven, eight under par, and the cut's going to be plus three, plus four, plus five. Um, you are going to see birdies on this course, but I think what makes St. Andrews interesting and different from some of the easier PGA tour courses, which maybe produce the same scores is that the golf to getting those birdies is going to be a lot more interesting, right? There's so many different roadmaps that you can get that you can take to have a birdie at St. Andrews and to shoot a low score at St. Andrews. And on the other side of that trouble is lurking on every turn. Like, this is the type of course where you sort of feel like, okay, you can shoot a 64 here, but you can also shoot a 74, 75, a 76. And I think that's what makes it such a great championship so far. Well, I think that's, that's how I kind of look at some of these majors too, or some of these golf courses in general is you can look at what the leaders are at, but look at the range of scores, right? From guys who are like legit full-time PGA tour players, uh, Gary Woodland, Mark Leishman, Harris English, they're all six over. Uh, if you want to throw a step Straka into the mix, he's nine over. He's got holes to play. That might get better, might get worse. But like just the range of outcomes, right? Is is like if it was a birdie fest, everybody would be under par. Uh, there'd be no guys that are struggling. That's that's not the case. No, it's it's not at all, right? And and I I agree with you. I love that there's kind of this giant dispersion, right? Where good shots are rewarded. And bad shots are penalized, right? And you can go out and shoot a score on this course. Cam Smith literally just rolled in another birdie as you were talking. He's at 11 under right now. Um, but I do think the course is going to play more challenging in the afternoon, Rick. And we've already started to see that a little bit. The wind changed directions, which is interesting right. to me um, and kind of fun and cool as a golf viewer because the way that the holes played in the morning – 
you're going to get to watch the afternoon guys play them and they're going to play totally, totally different on some of these, which I think is really fun. Um, but no, I mean, as we stand on fr early Friday afternoon, local time, um, with a bunch of guys early, a bunch of the afternoon wave early in their round. If I told you 15 under Sunday afternoon winning score, would you sign for that? Mm. Any, if I was anybody not named Cam Smith, I probably would. Yeah. It, it's supposed to blow a little bit more on, on yeah. Saturday. I think no is the right answer, but I'd probably sign for 18. Right, I wouldn't oh, I would definitely go sign for eighteen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, let's talk about a couple of these guys here. So Cam Smith, as you noted, just made another one. Now six birdies in his first ten holes. He's at eleven under. He's two shots clear of DJ, who's already in the clubhouse. Cam Young, who uh, is about to make the turn. Uh, the the odds over at Caesars. He is he's he's the favorite right now. And. There, let's talk about like what this looks like the rest of the way. Um, you know, when he gets going with the short game and with the flat stick, and he's turned into a really good ball striker outside of the every once in a while he misses big left. Like, if he can keep the driver in play, which is generally much easier to do in most situations here, like, there's no reason to think he's going away anytime soon. Yeah, there's no reason to think he's going away at all. Um, Seeing some questions in the chat, do you think Camp Smith is going to like run away here? I do not. I do not think that he is going to. Uh, I th I think this is going to be a really really interesting tournament over the weekend, right? I I, I think that Camp Smith, he probably if he can get in the clubhouse at eleven twelve under par and maybe enter the weekend with a two three shot lead, I think that's certainly possible. Um, but I think that there are too many good players behind him, um, that this tournament's going to be super exciting on Saturday and Sunday. Um, Cam Smith is the deserving favorite though. I will say that, like, do you see a guy like Rory? Um, do you think Rory can maybe get there or catch him this afternoon? Or who are some of the guys that are there on the course? Maybe a, a Cameron Young. Do you see a Cameron Young or a Rory getting to 10 or 11 today? I mean, Young could definitely get there. Rory's Rory's at six under. Rory's got to kind of start piling up a few here yeah. soon because this is, this is the day you're probably going to be able to take advantage of the golf course and you don't want to play yourself out of it um, in one single round like we've seen Rory do sometimes on Fridays and, and Saturdays at major championships. So, Rory's got to get a couple under par, but yeah, Cam, I mean, Cam Young, Cam Young's very live, like his skill set around the old course, being able to hit it as far as he does, um, but having a better short game than a lot of his peers that hit it as far as he does, like that's a pretty good combo around this place. It's a great combo. And you see, even just watching him, this style of golf very much seems to reward the way that Cam Smith plays, right? Like there are a lot of, holes at the old course where you have to be aggressive and you have to take on certain bunkers. And that's what Cam Smith tends to do in terms of, you know, creativity has turned into such a buzzword this week, but you do watch Cam Smith on some of these shots around the greens. And I've seen him take it in really low. I've seen him come in really high and spinny with some shots. And that's kind of the formula that you need generally at a course like St. Andrews. And he's, he's certainly risen to the occasion. We've uh, done this little game for a while where it's like, what's the path to anyone else winning the player of the year award, which is like, I don't, I don't believe that there is a path, right? The path might be like Xander wins this and then wins the FedEx cup. What if Cam Smith won this and the FedEx cup? So he would have Sony. No, no, he would have tournament of champions. He would have the players. He would have the open championship. And the FedEx Cup. Does that beat Scotty Scheffler's year? Yeah. Yeah, it does. The players is the fifth biggest tournament of the year. Yeah. You'd have two, you'd have two of the five biggest and the FedEx Cup, which they obviously care about. Well, you basically have to ask yourself, we'll call winning the Open and the Masters a wash. Mm -hmm. Especially also keep in mind, and Scotty Scheffler looks like he's going to be contending this week, but Cam Smith finished second at the Masters, so it's <laughs> yeah, not necessarily yeah it. <laughs> it's yeah it's not necessarily just about wins but i think i like to look at how you perform 
at all the other majors. And by the way, Scheffler is a second at the U.S. Open and a playoff right. loss at Colonial as well. But you're basically asking yourself, does the match play Arnold Palmer and Bay Hill, is that those three tournaments, is that better to you than the FedEx Cup? Because if he won the FedEx Cup, so he he's win Eastlake, I guess you could win the FedEx Cup without winning any other tournament. But yes, I think that Century Tournament of Champions, all by the limited field, the players and winning the FedEx Cup would probably be more impressive than Scheffler's non-three majors wins. And you could argue either way, though. They there are a lot a of big, like, yeah. To kind of also be like, yeah, there's like, there are other, like these guys finish runner up in some of these majors, right? Like it's, there's, there's a lot happening. And by the way, like if Scotty Scheffler finishes second here and he's got a master's win, a runner up at the US Open and a runner up at the Open Championship, like, and the other wins, like that's still such an unbelievable year. Yeah. No. And I, 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 I think Scheffler is like, Scheffler's not going away, right? Like he is going to, I, he's probably going to regress from winning like 50% of his starts this year. Um, but he is, he's going to continue to be a factor down the stretch in the FedEx cup and, and on all of these leaderboards and this weekend as well. Right. Like uh, I, is anyone surprised if Scotty Scheffler wins the open this week? I, I, I think the answer is obviously no. And his play it's, I want to ask you about Sheffer real quick while we're on the topic. Like he is undebatably uh, underrated in the fantasy community. Like Scotty Sheffer did not garner a lot of ownership this week mm-hmm. again. Do you think that he is underrated in like the larger golf community? Because I know there's this thing going on for a little bit there with the, uh, oh, Scotty doesn't pass the eye test, it's a heater. Like I'm trying to figure out like what more does the guy have to do to be recognized in that conversation as like a guy that is not only the best player in the world, but has staying power and maybe the potential to be like a, not a generational golfer, but one of the best of the next five, 10 years. I I don't know what he has to do, but I, I believe that he is very much underrated in the larger community. He, He was asked about it. Like, I think it was earlier this week. And he said something like, I don't, necessarily feel as if I'm treated like a number one player. And he kind of, he kind of, um, as he tends to do, like turns that into a positive, like, Oh, I get to just go out there and play golf. Like I'm not worried. Like my scores and my OWGR don't define me like that version of it. Instead of turning it into what a lot of former number ones would have into a chip on their shoulder. So it's like, I think until his, uh, because he's okay. He's already had a historic year. So he should already be regarded as, very easily one of the top X number of players in the world at all times. Yeah. So f- the fact that he hasn't means that something else has to change for like the larger audience to flip. So he either needs to change the way he speaks about himself, which I don't think is going to happen, or he needs to continue to win like four times a year, which probably won't happen just because how deep it is. So I, I don't know. He will be, he could be, he could win 15 times and in and we could in four years be like, yeah, he's still underrated. Like people don't realize how good this this stretch has been. I think the fair argument is the longevity piece, right? Because I think that there have been a lot of times, <clears throat> whether it be Jordan Spieth's 2015 or this little 16th month stretch that Jason Day had, mm-hmm. where players can catch fire and kind of bottle this greatness for a 12 to 16 month stretch. Right. But very few players are able to sustain that for years at a time. Right. It's like something like Rory McIlroy, Rory McIlroy for the past decade, hasn't always been the best player in the world, but he's never not been a top 10 player. Right. And there were, and certain players like Jason Day or Jordan Spieth, who were at one point in their career for a 12 to 16 month stretch, the undisputed best player in the world, have also fallen outside of the world's top 100. So I think with Scotty, what remains to be seen, I guess the only fair argument for maybe him not getting the deserved credit yet is 
does he stay a top 10 player in the world next year? I don't think he needs to have half the season that he did this year, right? I don't think he needs to win three, four times next year, but can he stay a top five, a top 10 player in the world for two years, three years, right? I think that's kind of the next question with him. Uh, the live boys are contending. So DJ nine under par as of this moment, two shots back that might change depending on what the cams do young and Smith Taylor Gooch seven under par. Um, there's a couple others. Oh, answers at answers at T 13. Uh, they're playing well, which is not only an interesting subplot, but also I think pretty important, Andy, right? We've talked about the implications of OWGR points and that this might be the last really big crack at OWGR points for the next nine months. So not only do I think is it interesting if we start getting that storyline down the stretch, but I also think for some of these guys who want to continue to play major championships, these points are very, very important. Yeah, do, do you know off the top of your head, like if what does a top 8, 10 finish in the Open do? Does it get you into all the majors for next year? Uh, I had a worksheet on this from like a week or two ago. I can find it. So I think I, I, I can vamp too while you, while you look for it. Because I was just going to say it, it, it would be a very DJ thing. Hovland just got to five. He's rolling in birdies. It would be a very DJ thing to do to win the open championship and right. not have to worry about, about qualifying for majors the next couple of years. Uh, let's see qualification. So these are all going to be, let's look at the open, the open qualification. Uh, come on, come on. Of course. Now the, I guess the internet's pretty, uh, the open.com is getting a lot of hits right now, but I, would I think, I think, I think, um, I think top 10 gets you into the next year. And then they've got a lot of these guys who have passed champion status for like the U S open or the PGA are basically five-year exemptions. And then outside of that, um, it's mostly like top 50 in the OWGR that would get you in, or if you were on the Ryder Cup teams. But we know that that's probably up in the air at this point. So top 10-ing it is probably their way to get in. Um, did you see, by the way, the official World Golf Ranking statement on Liv? Um, or yeah. lack thereof. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. We are investigating the situation. <laughs> yeah, it's and and I like that um, that statement came out on the twelfth. It said we received the application on the sixth, so it took you six days to come up with. We we are now going to begin the process of looking into this. <laughs> um, this is a really good question in the chat. Do you think if a live guy wins? it will give more credence for the live tour to have OWR GR points. Could you, could you look at it as a validation um, in some respects? Um, yeah. Yes. So we talked about this before where if you're, if the entirety of your organization, the OWGR is created to decide who the best players in the world are. And that's kind of like what their main mission is, right? That if you are not including a tour where objectively like the best, some of the best guys are, it weakens your organization. Now they have to decide whether they care about that or whatever else. But I, I do believe like, okay, so if DJ won this, I don't know what his OWGR would go to. I'd imagine he'd get a pretty good boost. Like, are you really going to say the guy who's, eighth in the world and the guy who's 15th in the world and the guy who's like 22nd in the world where they play on a regular basis. We don't track. I, I think it's a harder, it's a harder argument to keep those guys out if they are ranked very, very highly at the time. Right. So I, I generally agree with you, but I don't know what this means for the actual quote unquote competition that's happening in the live events. Right. Like if a, like to me, if DJ wins the open championship and if Taylor Gooch finishes top 10 and Patrick Reed finishes top 10, that doesn't really view, that doesn't really change how I view what's happening in live Portland or live Bedminster. That doesn't make me feel any different about what's happening those weeks. That doesn't make me feel like that competition is m more validated to me, if that makes sense. No, I and I and I agree with you, but through the lens of the OWGR, 
don't they have to view that differently? Or don't they have to like their entire goal is to say their entire organization is to say identify the best players in the world. And and how do these tours compare to one another? So so while I say, oh, that they don't compare at all, like the OWGR has to say, how do they not compare? Or how much do they or how do we weigh these? Or like that's their job is to figure that out. Okay, but just to play devil's advocate, if all the best players in the world went to play like the hero world challenge or something like that. Um, would they have to recognize that just because all the best players are there? Cause I think that's the argument for live, right? Is it's like, well, so many great players are there already. And you know, these guys are also proven to be still great players at the top of their game because they are performing on the biggest stage at the open championship, but does their, does their presence validate um, the competitive aspect of these 54 hole shotgun starts that don't technically qualify for that don't technically meet the requirements of a, an event. So, so the, that in, in, the way that I think would pan out, the answer would be no. I I, I think Liv is going to be at they're going to be at seventy two holes before. I agree. They got to change, right? I think they're I think they're going to yeah. change. Also, which is good. Are they going to change the name? Because Liv is fifth Roman numerals fifty four. So are they going to have to ch- like you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I they've think- already rebranded a team name. So we, you know maybe <laughs> it's in play. I I think I think there will be if I look a, a year into the future, I see a world in which. Uh, live plays like whether are like 72 golfers for 72 holes and no cut. And they have gotten OWGR points that way. But I also still feel like the guys who are currently there now without these big finishes are probably going to go nine months or a year without gaining a lot of points. And you're going to see a lot of guys fall, but I think live is eventually going to get sanctioned. Right. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I would say is, doesn't it feel a little bit like the RNA tipped their hand a little bit and where they might be voting with the fact that bit. they didn't really want Greg Norman to come to the champion center. I think what, there are seven votes on the official world golf rankings committee. One of them is uh, Keith Pelly from the European tour. One of them is Jay Monahan, and we yeah. know where Jay's voting. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> And, and one of, one of them is the RNA Martin slumbers. And, you know, the fact that they didn't really want any of the smoke at their champions dinner, that seems to me, um, like a hint of how they might feel a little bit about live. So that's three of seven vote. That's three of seven votes already. Yeah. Then you get, you know, PJ of America on board or Augusta, like, you know, some of these like really old hoity toy, like the RNA is just like, like we invented golf. Like we don't need you, Greg Norman, to like no. try to reinvent golf or whatever. Um, you could very easily see them siding on no thank you. And I also feel like you could probably get you could probably get the masters. You could probably get an Augusta National one too. Can I ask you another question about this briefly? And then I want to I want to talk about yeah. some other things, obviously. But how do you feel about the broadcast like aggressively? not wanting to mention live. Like, have you noticed this? Like even, even when DJ, like they, they have no, they're actively avoiding it. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you think, do you think that's how it should be? Do you, it's part of the context, right? Of course, it's part of the context of these guys playing well, but I guess the other side of that argument would be, we're talking about the, on the golf course at the open championship. Well, I think it's silly because I think I think it's silly to not mention it because if it came down to it on Sunday and it was the final group was Rory McIlroy versus Dustin Johnson, that would be like a massive storyline and they would have to address it. And then you cannot you can't just be like on Sunday. Oh, by the way, Dustin Johnson's been playing for like live golf for the last couple of months. So I think it's silly to not address it. And however you want to address it, that's fine. Like, hey, there is like it is it is factual to say uh 
there is a controversial new golf tour that is that is Saudi backed that X, Y, and Z are playing on. Like that is not that is a factual statement. It is controversial where wherever you fall on it. It is Saudi backed, and they're no longer playing on the PGA tour. Like that's a fact. That's a fact. So I, I think it at least needs to be addressed because they're going to put themselves in quite a pickle uh, if it's Rory and DJ in the final in the final pair. Yeah, I agree. Part of me is like, it's maybe it's a little petty. And the other part of me is like, I understand why NBC doesn't really have a ton of interest in acknowledging it. NBC just signs this giant contract with the PGA tour. Right. And they're, so they're probably not going to spend a ton of time pumping up the great players, pumping up the air and the tires of the great of the great live players. I don't think there's like a giant conspiracy theory that like the live players got bad tea times or the live players are like not being shown on coverage for a reason. Um, but I did notice it and I wanted to get your take because I thought it was interesting where it seemed to me when I was watching yesterday and this morning, like there was almost this natural aversion from the commentators when talking about DJ to mention any of the live stuff when he was getting shown on coverage. Uh, for sure. And I want to get to tiger and the live odds and stuff, but real quick, like Rory McIlroy is still even par. He's six under, which is right now five back. What's he got to get to, to be in the mix here, right? Like he can't, he cannot finish this round at six under par, especially with the way the cam boys are rolling. He's got to get a couple under. Yeah, so here's the problem with the leaderboard right now. It's all great players that aren't going to go away. So we're not dealing with, like, what's the real lead situation. Like, looking at the guys ahead of him, Cam Smith, Cam Young, DJ, Scheffler, Hatton, Patrick Cantlay. Like, the real lead is what Cameron Smith finishes at. And I think that for Rory to feel good, he needs to finish within three of Cam Smith. Is that fair? It is. Uh, he better get going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think whatever Cam Smith is at, whether it's 11 or 12 or 13, Rory needs to be within three of that. Uh, okay. I want to pull up the live odds. I want to talk about Tiger. I want to talk about some more stuff. Uh, I must mention, we are indeed presented by prospects. We don't have props to really go through because of the timing and the nature of the event here. So the code you're looking for to sign up, it's Rick. There's a link in the description to get you a hundred dollar instant deposit match. There's also a huge slate that I imagine they're going to drop soon for, for round three. Cause rounds one and two have been massive as well. So be prepared for those. The whole by whole stuff looks super interesting for the weekend because of wind changes and things like that. So I imagine I'll be, grinding on those and tweeting those out. So make sure you're ready. Use the code Rick. There's a link in the description. Um, we're going to hear an ad from Andy's pod and we're going to continue the conversation with live odds. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, here are the live odds uh, over at Caesar Sportsbook. Cam Smith, well-deserved, plus 225. He's your favorite. Roy McElroy, who, as we just noted, is right now five back, getting a lot of respect from the boys over at Caesars. He's four to one. Cam Young is seven to one, and DJ's nine to one. Those are the shorties. Uh, anything noteworthy that you see from the top of the board here? Yeah, so I think I just checked while we were in the break. Um the scoring average. And as expected, I think the afternoon's going to play a little bit harder because of the wind change. So for me, I, I believe it's going to play over par, right? So for me, I would, I like Cantlay a lot, right? At 18 to one. I think that's interesting. Um, I think that a lot of the, I think a lot of the players on the course this afternoon might struggle just a bit more 
than we expected and certainly more than the early morning guys got. So some of those guys that are in the clubhouse at seven, eight, nine, I have some interest in. I I think Cantlay is really interesting at 18 to one. He looked, I caught a lot of his round this morning. He looked really good. Do I think Sahith Thagala is going to win the open championship? Probably not. Um, but I don't think he's going to go away over the weekend either. So for me, I was looking probably the most at, at Cantlay. Maybe Fitzpatrick, you can make yeah. a pretty good argument for. What about you? Fitzpatrick's the one that I was kind of like, okay, if I'm going to go further, if I'm going to stray from the top of the board, and I still think like DJ at nine to one is still pretty interesting. Um, right. Uh, Fitzpatrick caught my attention, right? I mean, he he has just proven to be a machine. And I don't even mean that just like even before the U S open win, it was a bunch of top tens at a bunch of really difficult courses again, a bunch of really deep fields. And then he breaks through at the U S open and then he like, doesn't stop at the Scottish. And now he's in the mix again and he gets to shed rolling around with tiger for the first two days. Right. It, w- it was like a slog in on, on Thursday. He's in at six under. I just, Man, like, would not be at all surprised to see Fitzpatrick go out and continue the amazing play that we've seen from him this year. Put himself in the mix, and he's twenty-eight to one. And we we think it might get a little bit harder in the afternoon. You know, it's so tough because usually at major championships at the halfway mark, there are so many clear ejection candidates. Like I remember at the U.S. Open, it's like Callum Terrans in third <laughs> heading into the right. weekend, like. He's not sticking around like Richard Bland is leading the U.S. Open after 36 holes last year heading into the weekend. It's really right. challenging because I don't see too many ejection, clear ejection candidates on this leaderboard. Like, let's play a game for a second. If you had to pick one guy in the top 10 right now that will not finish the tournament in the top 30, who would you pick? <laughs> oh, it's my tough. God. Um I love Minwoo, but Minwoo would be a top candidate for that. Uh, Siwoo might be a top candidate for that just because of his volatile play. I mean, I would say Hatton, but he's been great on the lane. Like maybe Hatton just gets all hot and bothered and goes away. But you're right. Like, I don't know. These guys aren't really going anywhere. Right. The only answers to that question is Siwoo, Sahith, who I actually don't think is going to eject, Minwoo, and Maybe Taylor Gooch, right? Just because Taylor Gooch doesn't have a whole lot of experience really contending in major championships. But, you know, is Adam Scott going to go away? I don't think so. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think Adam Scott's going to win. I don't think Adam Scott's going to go away. But like Patrick Cantlay, Rory McIlroy, I guess if we want to go down to the guys in the top 15, don't know how I feel about Yudo Katsugarawa. Rick, yeah. is that a name that you have too much familiarity with? No, uh, the, you, I just heard it for the first time right now coming out of, <laughs> out of your lips. So, uh, yeah, prop, I, I don't think whole finish. Uh, I don't think he's going to make a move up the leaderboard too much over the next couple of days. Please tell me you have some exposure to our boy Aaron Wise in DraftKings, at least. Uh, very little in DraftKings. I didn't bet him, which, yeah, you know, I've got a Cam Smith ticket. Um, I guess that's probably the best thing I've got left there, but no, I've got, I've got a very little Aaron wise. I just, God, he's always just, he's, um, he was, he like touched the lead on Saturday or Sunday at the U S open, right? Mm -hmm. The guy's so good, Mm -hmm. but also pretty good at the PGA too, I believe, but also like not that good. It's so weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Siwoo is another one like that where it's like, he's been so bad and then, Oh, Siwoo is suddenly popping up, which is strange. Uh, the big cat, not a good week, nine over. It was a 78, 75. He made four total birdies and got, uh, pretty emotional walking up 18, knowing that one, he wasn't going to be around for the weekend. And two, as he even said himself, very likely the last time he's going to play at the old course in an open championship. Yeah, I still thought the whole, um, I saw some people complaining about, oh, they're showing too much Tiger on the coverage this morning. It's like, dude, this is, I mean, this is going to be the last time that the greatest player of all time is probably playing a competitive round at the greatest golf course of all time, right? So I 
I really enjoyed watching Tiger this morning. I mean, it was a pretty like ho-hum round. He made a ton of pars and not really many birdies. I think he made like nine straight pars. Um, but no, I, I, I thought the entire experience this morning, it's hard not to feel emotional and nostalgic about it, right? Like I, I liked how there was a real sense of moment watching him play 18. I liked how yeah. Fitzpatrick and Homa still good were able to read the room. Right. Yeah. And they slowed down and stopped walking. And Tiger gave us the wave, which, you know, you can interpret in many ways. He didn't stop and give us the wave, which I think is like the main tell that this Correct. is the last time. Right. But he gave us the wave, which was very Tiger. Right. Which is, listen, I'm not going to shut any doors, but I also have the self-awareness to realize that this might be the last time that I play St. Andrews. And I think what he said in the interview with Kara Banks after made a lot of sense to me, right? Which is, I don't think this is going to be my last open championship. I'm not sure if I'm going to be back at St. Andrews in five years. C correct. And, and, and St. Andrews isn't even on the schedule again. again. So he, Tiger said in another interview, I won't be back here in 2030, which is like, do you know something that we don't know? Because the, the venues have only been announced through 2025 Royal port rush. Um, so maybe he knows something, but, but yeah, he didn't, he didn't stop on the Swolken bridge and, and give us the wave, which would be the equivalent of like a wrestler. What do they do? Leave their shoes in the middle of the, in the middle of the circle there. That's right. like, Hey, I'm retiring. That's the golf. The golf version of that is pausing at the top of the Swolken bridge and uh, tipping your cap to everybody. Right. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> do you feel like you kind of by Wednesday afternoon, you kind of got duped a little bit. You kind of talked yourself into him a little bit. Um, or are you, or are you, is this what you thought was going to okay. happen? Great question. And, and self, I think when like self-reflection is definitely necessary in this Tiger Woods scenario, right? I, I'm not sure I got duped, which I guess is the answer that I, I want to give. But to, when I look at it, the worst part of his game, and I could go back and watch every shot again, but just taking it in, I thought he was horrible on and around the greens. I thought his speed control, especially with the putter, was horrific. I do not know how many three putts he had. I could go look it up. But it, it was jarring how much worse he was in that area of the game than everybody else, which is really, really surprising because he has told us how important that is. He has told us how important lag putting is at the old course for a decade. And then also he spent so much time there this week and played so many holes. It was like, I was very, very shocked to see how little he had that very important part dialed in. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I got to, it's just like, how, how was he so bad with speed control? Um, so I think there are a couple things there. So one thing that I've heard players talk about, I don't know. I'm probably going to butcher the context of it, but there was an interview where I cannot remember who was talking about it, but, uh, you know, I've heard before the theory that as you get older, putting actually gets more difficult because of your eyesight. Right. And so you lose a little bit of your feel on the greens, which is, which is surprising, right? Because you would imagine that ball striking would really be the most natural thing to go first, but you see a lot of players start to really struggle with their putting as they get older and who be it for me to criticize tiger's prep in a major championship but it almost does feel like he peaked a little bit too early, right? Like, have you ever play, had play too much, played too much on uh, Monday and Tuesday? Have you ever been to a golf course before? I remember I went to Pebble Beach about a year and a half ago, and I was so excited to play Pebble Beach. I got to the range like two hours early. I'm not kidding. I got to the, I hit on the Pebble Beach range for like two hours and by the time it was time for me to tee off, like I played terribly, I played terribly that day. And part of me thinks like, man, I was so surprised to see he played more holes at the old course than maybe any other player in the field. I mean, he was there playing, 
he was there playing 6 p.m. in the evening, 8 p.m. in the evening. And and I wonder if he he peaked a little bit too early because as a golfer, I can relate to uh I can relate to that <laughs> in yeah, some way, is. shape, or form. It was that that to me was just so surprising. You know, I I don't think he, the rest of his game was, was super sharp either, right? You know, there was some iron shots that he hit that I was like, oh, what the the hell was that like you know what i mean yeah. he was he was 10 or 15 yards off but the the stuff on and around the greens was was really bad also i i do wonder man he even said it so he misses the cut uh g- gives the interview and he's like and he like almost immediately went immediately immediately went right back to i wish i would have got a better break on number one on thursday where he hits it into the divot and i'm like damn man like did that stick with like making a double out of the gate and getting smacked in the mouth immediately the last time you know you're going to play like it's almost like he couldn't get over it which was a little surprising really surprising again um i just find this version of tiger so much more relatable right i i how many times have you started out a round that you were so excited for and you double the first hole and it's just a total gut punch it's a total kick in the nuts and it it sets the tone for the entire day. And it's so, so difficult to recover from that. And I think Tiger really struggled with that, right? There's another live guy, by the way. Sad- our guy, Saddam Kaikwanjananan, is at five under as well. Love that guy. Uh, yeah, our guy. I think he's, he's not a high, is he a high, <laughs> he's not a high flyer. He might be a punch GC guy. Um, but a- anyway, back to Tiger. I, I, I find this version of Tiger more relatable um, mm-hmm. where, Same. he doubles the first hole and gets a terrible break. Um, And maybe at this stage of his career, it's a little bit more challenging for him to let something like that roll off his back. I think in the past with Tiger, you know, there's a birdie from Rory. I think in the past with Tiger, it always felt a little bit like he was impervious to adversity, Mm -hmm. right? And there were going to be, he was so good at weathering the storm wreck where you know, he would be able to, it didn't, it didn't really matter. And he was always going to find a way to be there. And I think this version of tiger, um, might struggle with that a little bit more. I think this version of tiger needs everything to go a bit more right for him to have a real chance to continue to compete at this level. I think that's fair. Uh, how dare you forget that Saddam is an iron head. Ugh. Ugh. Call yourself a golf fan. Four aces, by the way, just dominating. I can't, I forgot who did. Somebody tweeted out the team leaderboard. I saw but, it. Yeah. But like Gooch, DJ, and and Reed, like, do we start dynasty talk? Like, is it too early to start dynasty talk? Like 95, 96 Bulls, like Warriors, like where do the four aces rate in terms of great sports teams of the last 20 years? I mean, they're, uh, they're unbeatable at the moment who could like, we'll see when this run when this run finally ends, but I can't imagine it's going to, uh, finish anytime soon. All right. We'll end on this. Andy, we'll get out of here. Uh, your dream final group or groups, uh, like we'll assume they're two balls. Uh, however deep you want to go here. What are we looking at? Realistic ones. Obviously you can't put tiger in this. Right. Um, I'm going to give best scenario for fans in general, I think, and best scenario for me personally, best scenario for me personally is Rory Xander. It's not close. Um, (laughs) really not close. Um, best scenario for fans, I think is Rory DJ. I would slot DJ in there ahead of Xander or Rory Patrick Reed, honestly. Mm. Right. And maybe we're, maybe we're given a little bit of a, the shaft here to a guy like Scotty Scheffler, who's the number one player in the world. But to me, it is good versus evil, right? And that is Rory DJ or Rory Patrick Reed. What about you? I'm sorry, Scotty Scheffler, but like there's no scenario in which you beat Rory McIlroy in any like interest-based calculation. Right. Right. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. So sorry for Cam Smith too, who like it would be yeah, great. Be but cool. I'm sorry, Rory DJ is a better final group. Rory DJ is, I believe, objectively the correct answer. Um, that would that would, I mean, it would break it would break view. It, it would just be, it would melt melt my brain. Um, 
if I can just open it up to anybody, like personally, I mean, Rory and Spieth. I was I was trying to find out how far Spieth is back. So Spieth, I, uh, I don't think Spieth's out of this. All right, so he's four under. Spieth getting in the mix would be amazing. Victor getting in the mix would be amazing, and even Rom getting in the mix would be amazing. Uh, right, but like Sp- having a Spieth or Rory or a Spieth and Rory in the final group would be. It's that wouldn't be good versus evil, but it would be like could like these two guys could not play golf any differently. Rory McElroy and Jordan Spieth, and they're gonna battle it out at this golf course that is not fair. And like that would be that would be fun. That would be really yeah. fun. Yeah. So so good versus evil, Rory versus a li- Rory or Spieth versus a live guy is yeah. definitely the correct answer. Hipster answer. What about a Phoenix or a TPC River Highlands rematch with Sahith Scheffler or Sahith Xander coming down the stretch. Honestly, I Sahith might be a little bit too much of a hipster answer, but if Sahith really sticks around, inject all the Sahith into my veins coming down the stretch. He sure. is so, so, so much fun to watch. So, his body yeah. language, his emotions, like Sahith anyone would be pretty awesome. There, There is a compelling side of someone who is either going for their first major, going for their first win, or someone who's very, very volatile because there's also the thought, and the, the question in the back of everyone's mind of when is this guy going to implode? Right. Or like, when is this going to go very, very sideways, which is why Jordan Spieth's great. Cause it's like, when is Jordan Spieth going to take over and make every putt or when is Jordan Spieth going to melt down? That's why he's the best right. viewing experience. So there, there is, there would be that side of things of someone like a Tagala or I, I mean, there's not even a lot, like even Gooch, like if Gooch was up there, you'd be like, is Gooch going to melt at any point? Or is he just going to snap off and win his first major? Um, that would be, that would be interesting. Let me ask you one last question then. Um, biggest. Oh, the the only other guy that we has Bry, Bryson's just started his round two, right? Well, he was a couple over par today. Let's see. Okay. So okay. he's one, he's one over he's, he's played 12 holes. So he's, he's, he's been out there. So two um, under for the tournament. He's two under for the tournament. Back. He's in T 41. Yes. And he's, he's on 13 right now. Okay, because I believe that he deserves a mention in this conversation as well. He would be a top three guy down the stretch For that sure. I'd like, but it seems like he's a little too far back. Um, on this, this is go good ahead, Brian. Like like Sahith, Sahith with a two shot lead over six just lions, right? Yeah. And have it just be like the uh, uh, like Phoenix, like a gazelle, right? Can this gazelle yeah. outrun these lions, or are they just going to track him down here? Um, okay. Give me last question. Give me, give me real quick, biggest surprise and biggest disappointment for you. Biggest disappointment. And I haven't checked where he is recently is, is Zaltors. Uh, let's see where he's at. So a guy, okay. He's even today. He's one over, so he's got to get a move on, but he's got a lot of holes to play. Um, I don't know if I necessarily thought this was a great spot for him, like a Tory Pines or like somewhere else like that, but you can't be T86 at the open championship. You just can't be. He's too good. You can't, it can't happen. Uh, so that to me, is I think the biggest disappointment. And then the biggest surprise, um, maybe like a Paul Casey was playing really well, right? Like we hadn't seen him do much of anything for the last couple of months. That would, was a pretty big surprise. And I'd also probably throw in. No, that's about it. Um, I think that's a good answer. I think Zalatoris is a good answer. I did not love Zalatoris heading yeah. into the week. So and I, I, and I knew that. And I think you're, surprised. and I think you're right. Like, right. And I think, I think there were, I think there were obvious like concerns or like course fits, but guys who are that good should be like, if when you have a bad fit, you should be like 33rd. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a couple guys that are going to, that are battling to make the cut. A couple guys, Max Homa was a really popular DFS guy this week. I'm going to forgive him on that one. He was playing, he was playing with tiger. Uh, he's probably going to miss the cut on the number. Um, Shane Lowry, Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas are all kind of right on the cut line. 
JT just made an eagle. Just made an eagle. But that that okay, JT's probably the correct answer here. Where right. it's like, how like, dude, you have not sniffed contention. Now there's time, but like you got you gotta start making a move right now. Right. Hundred percent. Because he hasn't this has been his weakest major, but everything kind of on paper suggests that this should be a really good major for him actually. So yeah, I would say, I mean, are you disappointed with Morikawa in his title defense, like hovering around even par? I'm not disappointed because, um, I think kind of one of the cases I made, they're showing Phil for, this is like the first shot I've seen of Phil high flyers, uh, yanks it. Right. Um, like outside of the three, three of the four rounds at the U S open, Morikawa hasn't been good recently. So he's, he's got like 17 subpar rounds and three good rounds in his last 20. So I'm not sure I'm particularly surprised or disappointed by that. It's just like, it's not, he's, he hasn't been in good form. He's been talking about not being able to hit his little baby cut. He's been trying to draw. He's been, he's just in between stuff right now. I'll throw out two more guys that were kind of not popular picks, but if they were in contention, I don't think anyone would have been super shocked and they're just not playing great. Louie and Brooks, two mm-hmm. live guys that haven't really, I think Louie's going to miss the cut. Brooks looks like he's going to make the cut, but he's kind of battling right on that line. I definitely, I don't, I wouldn't call either of them surprising because what indication have they given us in terms of recent form that they were going to be great? But I mean, I don't think Louie's ever, lost in regulation at the old course and you know it's we're barely three years removed from brooks being you know the most prolific major championship golfer in the world so yeah those are good ones john daly might make the cut god that'd be great you imagine yeah what a guy uh all right andy Pleasure as always. You and I will be back on Tuesday. We've got the 3M open next week, but I think you and I are just gonna we're just gonna enjoy the weekend. There are a lot of scenarios most scenarios that will play out are going to be awesome. So I'm just going to enjoy it. And I'm sure you will too. I can't wait, man. Um, I think that without a doubt, it's, it's going to be interesting, right? There are a lot of possibilities that could happen over the weekend, but um, man, I am so excited. And so far the old course is delivered on every level. Uh, The other Andy M Let's us know that the prize picks headliners in round one again, one 17, 11 and six that improves their overall record to something, something and something. We'll update that at some point, but uh, use the code Rick over at prize picks. There's a link in the description. Get yourself all fired up for rounds three and four and their massive slates coming for now. Let me thank Armina. She does all the hard work behind the scenes. Andy Lacks available on Twitter at ADP Lacks sports. You can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been your Friday scramble. See you next time.